I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. I'm going to be doing something that I think, and I know this is part of the RBD training, but also we, we uh, are we're going to do something here that's good for everybody. This is not just for captains or gatherers or anything of that nature. This is for everybody. And when you begin to talk about how to rule your house well and living within God's blessings, you have something that is, that is powerful and something that can help us to get into an area that a lot of times we overlook. You'd be surprised the amount of Scripture that there is uh, in Ephesians, Colossians, and in Timothy, even in Corinthians, that you will find when it comes to how we are to behave ourselves within the house of God. And uh, I'm going to come back and read. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to come back and read out of 1 Timothy in just a moment. Uh, but I do want to to just to, to start here talking about, because we are we are covering areas of leadership. Now, personally, personally, I feel that a church, and I've made this statement many times, a church is full of leaders. You, you know, God has called people to be uh, in, in house churches or to be pastors or to be evangelists, whatever it may be. But we are, a, a church is full of leaders because we have the truth that has been, that has been embedded within our hearts through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is there, and that makes you leader because you have information in you and in your mind and in your heart that this world needs. And whenever, whenever someone has this kind of information, it makes them responsible to be able to get that information out. That is why, and we've already covered here, I think a week ago, about the talents, or last Sunday morning, about the talents that when, when the man came and, and gave one three and one two and one, and one talent, and the, the one that had the two that had the most took and invested those talents and doubled. But the one who had one talent, he buried it in the ground. God threw him into outer darkness where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. So we have a responsibility, an obligation, not just to, to God in as much as, yes, God's given to us, we need to give it to others, but it'll keep us out of hell. So it's, it's an obligation for us to give that. So that means that the church is all a group of leaders. Now, as leaders, we're striving forward because we have a desire and should have the desire to help others. That should be what we want to do. We Not only are, are, are we wanting to help others, but we also want to walk with God and live holy. And we want to live a life that is above reproach. We want to live that kind of life. Uh, people... And many people, and, and you'd be surprised the amount of people that desire to be leaders. And, and, and this, is, this is a good desire to have as long as, as the motive is pure. And, and, and it's got to be within God's purpose. Why, why do I want to be a leader? Why do I want to be in charge? You know, is it within God's purpose, or is it just a desire that I have to fulfill some kind of um, motive that I have I've always have had to be able to to be the guy that everybody looks to? Uh, I have often found out that the best pastors, the best overseers, bishops, whatever, are the people who don't necessarily or didn't necessarily want to be that, 
But God called them into it, and they feared God enough to take the steps that they needed in order to fulfill that calling. So that's the way that God, I think, ordains it to be. Now, the Scripture tells us that if you desire the office of a bishop or an overseer, this is a good thing. However, there are several qualifications for this level of leadership. And we're not going to just be you know, going over uh, the level of leadership so much as the principles that are involved in leadership. And you're going to be seeing First Timothy. I'm going to read it to you, 3, 1 through 7. This is the King James Version uh, coming up behind me. Now, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruled his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the house of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. A lot of people miss that one. They don't like to think about that one. In other words, people on the outside of the church, not filled with the Holy Ghost, need to think that Robertson's a good guy. I, uh, had a, I wasn't going to say too much about it, but had a conversation while I go with one of our neighbors here to church and and um, and she was she, she was beside herself she was trying to find out who we had to survey because she's having problems with her neighbor and uh, in the in the course of it you know she's an older lady and in the course of it I I was talking to her and commiserating with her and and uh, you know <laughs> and you know just in the course of of this she, she, I was telling Eldar, I said, she made a statement. I didn't, I was going to, but she said, you know, she said, your church is just walking distance of me. She said, I'll just quit going to the Baptist church I go to and come up there. And I said, you know, that's a good idea. I said, that's just what you need to do. I said, you just you can walk right up here. And I said, we'll just love you to death. And she, and she loved that. And I like never got off the phone with her. I, I was I kept on going. So, uh, but you know, it's... <laughs> It's funny how things, you know, sometimes if the right attitude towards people, you know, the first thing that you want to do sometimes when you feel like you're getting blamed for something is strike back, quickly get, get the knife in, twist it. And um, <clears throat> sometimes it doesn't pay. Sometimes if you'll just be patient with people, patient. And uh, well, sometimes I, I feel like God is always checking my patience. I think eventually I'll, I'll be able to get over this one, but I, I constantly get a check. So now, so it's a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So in other words, if you don't have a good report from those that are without, you can fall into a snare of the devil. So if a person wants to be in a pastoral position of ministry or take care of the church, now when I talk about taking care of the church, I would to God that you have more people who just like taking care of the building, but that's not what we're talking about here. The church is the people. Anybody wants to have the anointing of taking care of the building and the grounds, please see to it. There's a, there is a very few of them. That's a calling of God that's needed greatly within our time and around here. So be, be sure that you're willing to do that. Uh, and so, but a lot of people prefer taking care of God's people because it's a lot easier. 
I don't know where they come up with that one. I'm not sure where they come up with that one, but some of them do believe that. Uh, then, then if he's going to do that, if he's going to take care of God's people, then he or she needs to first start at home. At home. Everybody said amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. All right. And that means your children and your spouse. Children and spouse, not mouse, children and spouse. To rule means to care for, to protect, and to be over. God set a divine order in the home, and as long as we live within the guidelines or principles that God set in His Word, then we will, then we will live within the blessings of God. And you see, that's the key. I want to live within God's blessings. And, and even though we do get tested, folks, sometimes, and, and oftentimes we go through seasons of testing, and seasons when it seems like God allows the devil a longer leash than normal. And so he's, he's out there to try to get you. But then there's also those times when we're not living within God's blessings because we are failing in some area. And so God, in all of his mercy allows you to be, uh, to be prodded, if you would, and nudged to get back into the place where you're living in God's blessings, and you may not have to endure so much of the hardships that you go through. So you have to determine that within yourself. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 and 40 says this, Let all things be done decently and in order. So God believes in order. He's big on order. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3 says, But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. This is part of God's order. God made man first, gave him the law of God in Genesis 2, 15 through 18. Then the woman was formed from the rib of man, showing that she was a part of him, that she was his helper. They were to be companions. They were to be partners. They were to be lovers. And from this partnership would come forth children. This is the order that God has ordained. It did not say two men or two women. Just in case some of you were a little bit off on that one, just because our president thinks it's okay doesn't mean that it's right. And everybody said amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, good, good. The husband is to rule protect and care for his wife and his children. I want to say this again. The husband is to rule, protect, and care for his wife and his children. It did not just say rule. He was to protect and care. Be sure that if you're in here and your spouse is not hearing this, that you get they listen to this webcast, podcast. Because ruling, a lot of times, men don't have any problem with sitting down and slamming their fists and saying, you're going to do this and do that. But when it comes to protecting and caring, it's a different story. The only person that's not married in here is telling me it's right. So here we go. (laughs) There we go. Thank you, Kim. I knew that you'd be on my side no matter what. No matter what. All right. The husband is the chief ruler. His wife is second to him. If the wife takes over and becomes the head of the home 
or the child becomes the head of the home, it creates chaos in the family structure. And when the family members do not know their place, it disrupts the order of the home, and God cannot bless it. The same goes for the husband. If he does not know his place in Christ, then it creates confusion, messes up the whole order of godly living in the home. Now, it is the husband's responsibility to make sure that the law of God in his home, he, that, that, that it is, right, let, me, let me rephrase that correctly, that the law of God is in his home, and he must be submitted to God and his laws. A man that is not submitted, it's one thing to use the laws of God, the Word of God. It's one thing to use it against his wife and children. It's something else to be submitted to it. There's a difference in the ability to quote something to your wife, and I'm going that way because I understand it, uh, than quoting it to your wife, and there's something else to live it. You guarantee you that, you're, that, that whether it be a, a woman or a man, if her spouse or spouse, whatever it would be, can quote it, but then she looks at him and sees that he doesn't live what he quotes, then she's not going to listen to him. And guess what? Your children, even as young as two, three, and four years old, knows when you are saying one thing and doing something else. Now that's good preaching. If a husband decides that he does not need the whole law of God in his home, then this is a disaster just waiting to happen. At first he thinks that nothing bad will happen. Now this is what happens to a lot of people. I, don't, uh, I make a decision in my home that I'm going to uh, preclude some of the Word of God because it doesn't fit what I want, to, want it to, to fit, at least from, in my case. And so I decide I'm going to leave that out. Well, I go for a week or two, and everything seems to be fine. No problems whatsoever. So that means that I was okay in what I decided to leave out. But you see, God doesn't always come down and, and pass judgment within a week or two. That could come along a year later, two years later. It may come at a time when no one expects it, but there you will reap what you sow. And if you decide that you don't like the Word of God in a particular area and you decide to leave it out, then guess what? Eventually, eventually, harvest time will come. And when it does come, then you're going to would to God that you had never done what you did. So you can't make that decision, I'm going to leave this out. And you can't think because uh, some kind of judgment doesn't happen immediately that that validates your decision. God's Word and law are absolute. They are complete and absolute. And if you break it, there will be repercussions. You know, we can look at the laws of gravity. You can't break the laws of gravity. Now, you go into circus performers and tightrope walkers, and they get right at the very edge of the law of gravity. And a lot of times, they get hurt. Isn't that right? You used to walk a tightrope, didn't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know Roxanne did. So, you know, they, they, they get hurt. Because they get right on the very edge of the law of gravity. And when you do the same thing with God's Word, you can get hurt. You get right on edge. Well, the Bible doesn't say, I can't do this. But the principle may be there, but it doesn't say, thou shall not. Just keep in mind, the principle is what we're looking for here. And so don't get on the very edge of the law and think everything's going to be okay because you might get off balance and fall the wrong direction. And you don't want that to happen. So, so, we, so we're careful in, in how, we, how we do these things. Now, in the beginning, in the beginning, the law was given to Adam, and it was his responsibility to make sure 
that this law remained in his home and was respected, was respected and followed. So the law of God is a protection for the home and ensures the blessing of God. If you take the law of God out of the home, then disaster will follow. Husbands stay strong in the Word of God, and that, that is so vital. A, a man in his home needs to stay strong. He needs to meditate in the Word day and night, just like the Bible tells you to. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. In so doing, you will save yourself and those that hear you. So we need to meditate as men meditate on it day and night. Part of having the whole armor of God is to have your loins girt about with truth. Now, this is a belt that the Roman soldiers wore that held together the breastplate, the sword, and the other very important items that, uh, to, for the soldier. So without the, without the belt of truth, then the whole armor fell apart because the belt held the sword. The belt held in place the, the breastplate. So you took the belt away, then the armor fell apart. So it's, it's, it's important for us not to leave out some of the vital things because a lot of times people didn't realize, you know, a belt of truth, what does a belt of truth do? Well, a belt of truth keeps it all working. Truth keeps everything working in your life. As long as you live in truth, everything else will be fine in your life. <clears throat> in uh, Isaiah chapter 3, now I know this is a lengthy reading. It's going to come up behind me. I wanted to read this. I was going to read this out of Amplify, but it just made it a little longer, so I'm not going to. But I do want to read out of Isaiah 3, and I think it's vital for our understanding um, in this particular series of, of, of teachings. So in, in Isaiah 3, starting with verse 1, it says, For behold the, Lord, uh, behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. For Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom, and they hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that he shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err and to destroy the way of thy paths. For the Lord standeth up to plead and standeth to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof. For ye have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. What mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and grind their faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts? 
Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head and the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon. The chains and the bracelets and the mufflers and the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings and the rings and the nose jewels. Now in the, if you get a chance to read that in the Amplified, it brings things out even that much more. But I want you to look at this. Verse 1 in this passage I just read says that the Lord will take away the stay and the staff. The stay is a protection and the staff is for support. The staff was also a type of authority because Moses uh, had the rod. He had the rod, so that was a part of his authority. Verses 2 and 3 explain that verse, what verse 1 meant. It is talking about leadership. It said he's going to take leadership out of Jerusalem, and in their, in their place he's going to give children to be their princes, and babes will rule over them. And verse 5 and 11 tells us that Jerusalem is ruined. Isaiah 3 and 12 says, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. And verses 13 through 15 tells us of the oppression upon the people. And verse 16 through 24 tells us that the women are walking with pride and having left the ways of God. Therefore, judgment from God is falling. And 25 and 26, the men shall fall by the sword, and the mighty in the war, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she, shall be, she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. Now, hearing all this, Joshua 1, 7 through 8 says this, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, and thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, and thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou shalt mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and shalt have good success. Now, I read that chapter to show you how, what God thinks. That does not mean in any way that women do not have a place. They do have a place. And we're going to get a little bit more into that here just in a second. But I want you to look, when you begin to disrupt the order that God has ordained, then you begin to destroy a nation. And if you can't see that in America right now, then you are blind. Because it has been disrupted. I, I will go so far as to say this. Regardless of how we feel about the White House right now, if a woman had gotten in there, it would have been worse. Now, you know, I'm not saying that the women are not intelligent enough. I'm just saying it's not God's order. It is not God's order. It's just the fact that the, you know, they, they, we have a place. Men has a place. The women have a place. Children have a place. And when we start disrupting that, and what's so sad is that, and, and God love every one of you that are, are able, that you're single parents, you're single mothers, that you're able to do what you, you, you do. But on the other side of it, kids miss out because Daddies are not in the, in, in, anywhere around. Anywhere around. 
So what happens is that a child is raised and the order is messed up. No wonder we have some of the problem with children that we have today. There is an order to this. And if we don't have that order, if we don't have it, then somebody is going to be, uh, going to be confused and there's going to be problems and there's going to be some kind of chaos in lives as a result of that. Thank God when somebody can move in and, and uh, there can be a strong father figure there. And, and, I, and I'm saying all this, say this, I, I'm embarrassed sometimes to be called a man because of the way men are. It takes a whole lot more than a sperm donor to be a daddy. And everybody said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You're right, Brother Robertson, preach it, hallelujah. All right. Now, Jerusalem was destroyed because the rulers did not follow the law of God. Husbands, you must first rule your own house, then you can rule in the house of God. God wants to ensure that his people will be protected, cared for, and blessed. Now let's move to the wife. Let's move to the wife. The wife may not always understand the law that her husband has instituted in the home. Now, of course, this should be, and should be based on the Word of God. However, it is very important for her protection and the protection of the home that she obeys the husband. Now, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. One of the meanings of the word submit, now I want you to get this, women especially, get this. One of the meanings of the word submit comes from the Greek military term meaning to arrange in troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. So with that in mind, that does not mean that women cannot be leaders. Because in, in, in a military division, you've got a general, you've got a colonel, you've got a lieutenant colonel, you've got a major, you've got a captain, you've got a first lieutenant, you've got a second lieutenant, you have sergeants, you have corporals, you have privates, so you've got specialists and you've got privates. So you've got, you've got all of this. That doesn't mean that a woman can't uh, take the, the role of a colonel or a lieutenant colonel. That she is, she does have charge. And that is why, here you go, Robertson 6 and 4. I don't ever believe biblically. Now, it's not Robertson 6 and 4, it's Bible. I don't believe a woman can ever be a pastor unless she has a man over her. That's just the way the Bible teaches us. Why can we have women in charge of home churches? Because you've got a pastor in charge. That's how it works. There is a protection in that. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to protect. And that's the desire, to, to do things the correct way so that God can get to glory. Now, God has a divine order. It is so important that the wife stays in this role as the helper, companion, and partner of the husband. This is not an equal role. The wife plays a subordinate role. The husband is the head, protector, and the provider of the home. The wife is admonished to submit to her husband. However, the other side of this picture is that the husband needs to love his wife as Christ loved the church. I've, this has been a, a mainstay of any counseling session I've ever had. A wife will always submit to a husband who loves her so much that he's willing to die for her. That's what that says. 
If the husband is willing to die for her, then she will submit to him. For you husbands that can't understand why your wife doesn't submit, it's because you don't care. It's because you're not willing to sacrifice yourself. And then that's the whole point. You've got to be willing to sacrifice yourself, and then that woman will submit to you. That is God's order, and that's the way God does things. Now, we are going to the children. Now, what I've done here is I have changed up a little bit because I'm going to do just a little bit more on the children than, uh, for, than I was going to do here earlier. In Proverbs 22 and 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That, that scripture has been a conundrum for me for a long time. I love the word. I learned conundrum, so I'm going to use it a lot so you understand. So it's <laughs> another conundrum for Robertson. Here, here we go. No, it's not a conundrum. But what does it mean? Bring up a child in the way she go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. What does it mean? What, what is it saying? Does that mean that I've got, as long as I raise my children correctly, I have eternal security? For them. Have we not seen that here in this church? We have seen that. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's not eternal security. It's the fact that you have placed good things into them. And when they do, when they do hit rock bottom, then what they were taught is going to kick in. So then that means that we as parents must be diligent in raising our children to know biblical principles. And if we do, we shall see great results. Why is Vacation Bible School so important? That very fact. That very thing. Because there's some of these children are not going to get anything else except for VBS. But if you can get something into them, in that, that three days or whatever it is, if you can get something into them, then I'm hoping and praying that some of that could kick in at a later time. So we, we have a, a great responsibility here. The, the, the promise stated in, in Proverbs 22 and 6 Again, it's, it's sometimes misunderstood, and, and I, I, for one, have always believed that there is a certain amount. I don't believe in eternal security, but I, 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 for a certain amount of a promise there, then I've always held to that. If I raise my children right, they're going to live right. And that's how I've always believed, and God has honored that. If I raise them right, they're going to they're live right. They're going to be right if I raise them right. It's my responsibility, my wife's responsibility, to raise them right. And if we do that, then I feel like that there's a promise. And yes, I do know that there's choice in the matter. But I still feel that, again, it's not uh, eternal security is left out of that equation because people do have choices. But still, if I have done everything right, then I can expect them to do what's right. And I will stand on that. Children are the greatest gifts that God can bestow upon a couple. In Psalm 127 and 3, now this is the uh, New King James Version, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. This gift brings with it not only great privilege, but also great responsibility. In Deuteronomy 6 and 6, in the New King James Version, it says that these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
The responsibility for the teaching and training of our children rests upon the shoulders of the parents. This can be as it can be plainly seen in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Uh, listed below here are, are a few scriptures. I want to give you some of the scriptures in the New Testament concerning child rearing. In Colossians 3, 20 and 21, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, these, the above-mentioned scriptures can be summarized in three words. Three words to summarize this. Three words, and I want you to get this, and that is love, discipline, and, and teaching. Love, discipline, and teach. Now, these admonitions are modeled for us in the way that God deals with His children. So the way God deals with us, even as adults, is the same way. The very same way. Christian parents need to recognize their God-given responsibility and authority as it relates to their children. God in His, His Word instructs to the children to obey their parents. It also speaks to the parent instructing them to give proper leadership and guidance to their children. When God gives responsibility, He also gives authority to carry it out. A parent who is in agreement with the Lord will recognize their God-given authority and exercise it for the well-being and the salvation of the family. You know, we could, uh, we could summarize, and these, these words are going to come up behind me, we could summarize scriptural directives to parents in these three words. They will come up behind me. Proclaim, pray, and protect. Proclaim, pray, and protect. Proclaim, pray, and protect. These are, these are some responsibilities that Christian parents must accept in order to pattern their dealings with their children as God does with His children. No teaching is more explicit and clear in the Bible. None than that a father should, by precept and example, teach his children the way to serve God. Jewish fathers of the Old Testament were expressly commanded to be faithful in this teaching. I've already read to you in Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. I'll read it to you again. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Bible teaching in the home is desperately needed to undergird and strengthen the teaching and the preaching by the pastor from the pulpit. And what an impact it makes on children uh, and youth to see the faithfulness of parents joining with the pastor and proclaiming the Word of God. Living it, proclaiming it. So easy to see in the church. You can see, uh, you can see when this happens. You can tell the result in the children. It's very easy to see. You know what's going on at home by the condition of the children. It's, it's very simple. Christian parents must be faithful, praying parents. The prayers of parents seem to have a special power with God, and, and we have to pray and intercede for our children's spiritual survival. Parents must not neglect the responsibility in this matter. Satan fears praying parents, for he stands powerless before that spiritual attack. And I believe that. When, when they have these, these, these prayer meetings on Monday night, uh, Daughters of Zion prayer meetings, you know good and well 
that 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 is an attack that Satan absolutely cannot stand up to. Because praying parents, they are praying from their heart. It's the very depths of their soul that they're pouring out. They want their children saved. They want their children protected. And they're, they're giving it everything they have. Christian parents must, again, protect their children. Paul distinctly said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual forces in Ephesians 6.12. Satan is the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4. And his demons inhabit the atmosphere in such conditions, the sanctity of the home must be protected and preserved. It is the responsibility of parents to see that no defilement gains entrance into the home. And Deuteronomy 11.21, that one's going to come up behind me. I like this, this scripture here. It's, it's a good one. It's one of the few that you're ever going to see like this. In fact, it is the only one in the, script, in, the, in the Bible like this. It likens the divinely ordained home to heaven on earth. This is the only time it's used this way. That your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven. Look at this, upon earth. You never see it said that way again in the Bible, as the days of heaven upon earth. How and why does it say it? It's because it's speaking of children. That is the responsibility that we actually can bring a little heaven to earth. Wow. Now, do you understand why the devil hates for moms and dads to pray for their children? Bringing a little heaven to earth. Great deal of evil has, has come upon the home uh, because of individual members having lost the blessing and protection of divine order. In fact, Deuteronomy 7.26 says this. It says, Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. If you bring it into your house, you're going to be just like it. But thou shalt utter de- utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. The husband must come under the authority of Christ. The wife under the authority of her husband. The children under the authority of their parents. And Satan knows the power of divine order. And that is why he uses every while to undermine, to break down this pattern for the family. However, if you can set up your family in scriptural order, you will experience the blessings of God's power and anointing continually in your home. It will be a continual blessing. Christian parents must be faithful in correcting their children. Proverbs 19:18. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Proverbs 23:13. Do not withhold discipline from a child, if you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Proverbs 13 and 24, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Children are a great blessing from the Lord, but the blessing comes with great responsibility. Allowing our children to do just as they please is not fair to their future. Children must learn that there are consequences for wrong behavior. Discipline helps to encourage right behavior. Keeping Sawyer the other day, and I... You know, I don't beat on the grandkids too much. But if they make me mad, I will. And uh, in this case, he comes up to me, and I don't do what he wants me to do. So he's got this blowgun. Kid's a pygmy. He's out there with a blowgun. And he hits me with it. I said, stop it. He hauled up, and he had a mean look on his face. 
like his grandmother, just like her. Just He hits me again. I said, you do it again, I'm going to nail you. And he did it a third time. And I, I didn't touch him. I just, I mean, just grabbed this thing out, jerked it out of his hand and gave him a meaner look. And man, he broke down and cried for 30 minutes. Sometimes you don't have to do a whole lot. You just got to be sure you hold on. You, you do something. You got to let them know who's in charge. Now, it would have been terrible for this little two-year-old to be in charge of my house, wouldn't it? He thinks he is anyway sometimes, but, you know, you have to let them know they're not in charge. And uh, that's not God's way of doing things. So you have to discipline. You know, if you don't discipline your children, you're, you're hurting them and a great deal more than what you, you realize you're hurting them. Another chief admonition uh, is that the parents are to provide for the physical needs of the children. 2 Corinthians 12:14 says, Now for the third time... I am ready to come to you, and I will not burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Now, what's that talking about? That doesn't mean you can't go out and spend all your money when you retire. I checked on that. I wanted to be sure I could do that. But today's society finds too many parents who indulge in their own pleasures while the children go unprovided for. That is not just you know, in a retirement thing. It's the fact that when a child needs something for school and a, and, a, and a husband goes out and buys a toy for himself, not for the child, and goes out and, and, and or buys clothes for themselves rather than something that a child needs. A child should always be provided for. When you made the decision to have children, you made the decision to give your life to that child. You made that decision. And don't, don't do something like that unless you're willing to do exactly that. You, you said you would do that. So it's, it's vital. You know, it's, as parents, we have to cherish the gift that God has bestowed upon us and our children. God's plan for humanity is built upon the family. We must bring up our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord as the Bible commands us to do. And if we are faithful parents, if we care about the path we want our children to take, then we will endeavor to do all we can to make sure they grow up understanding the ways of God. We must guide them. We must love them. We must show them and discipline and according to the principles laid out in the Scripture. And if we do these things... We will see the Lord's blessings upon our children. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 54, 13. I'm going to close with this. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Great shall be the peace of your children. So if you do it right, your children will be at peace. They feel comfortable if they've got parameters. They know that they have to have lines. There are certain things you just don't do, and they've got to know that. Questions or comments? on raising children you don't know anything about it Kim you know you got a question go ahead <laughs> 22 and 6 proverbs and that's the key Ease their conscience. 
That's exactly, that's a great point because I believe that you, you can't, you can take the worst heathen bar hopper that there is out there. And if they know the truth, they'll argue right there at the bar about it. But you take someone else, you take someone that wasn't, tra- or they were raised in a home where it's okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to apostolic church, but, you know, we believe the Trinitarians will make it too. You hear me? You can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, either the Bible is true or it's not true. And if the Bible is true, then we have to believe in one God. We have to believe that there is not three different gods. And we have to believe in Jesus' name, baptism. And you can't just say everything's okay because people have a tendency. It's like Catholicism. It's a great religion to live by, but it's a terrible one to die by. Because, you know, when you're Catholic, you can go out and you can confess your sins prior to committing them if you want to. You know, that, that's the way. Yeah, you know, that's a great thing to live by and keep my conscience all salved up and bombed and, and whatever. But, you know, when you, when, when you die, it's too late. So you better teach the truth and you better have And that's, that's a good point, sis. That was a good point. Anybody else? Questions or comments? Go ahead. That's good. That's a good point. Another great point. If you didn't hear that, if a child has, has uh, you said it was bent towards mathematics, music, you know, encourage that as well. Encourage it. You can't sometimes make a child over in what you necessarily want them to be. Now, of course, we're talking about godly things. Uh, but when it comes to professions or the ability or even a calling in the church, you know, not everybody. I couldn't make my son into a preacher. No matter what I did, I couldn't make him into one. You know? And even I even used to talk about it, and he'd get mad at me and walk away. Still does if I bring it up enough. So, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> you, you can't do that. But he's a great deacon. You know, and, and when it comes to going to heaven and standing before God, I prefer doing what God has called me to do rather than try to cross over and do something I should not be doing. So that's, that, that's vital. That's good. Good point. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Questions, comments? Stand with me. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. The 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 um, scripture actually there's two different places in Peter and in uh, I believe it's in Timothy. I, I can, right off the top of my head, I can't tell you, but I think it's Timothy, where it talks about the woman should keep quiet. One point should keep quiet in the church, but it's 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 authority. It wasn't keeping her quiet. That means you couldn't even do what you just did. You wouldn't say anything in church. But it's a matter of having authority in the church. A woman can teach or preach. I, I, we've had them here. But she needs an authority or a head that is male. That, that, that is protection for her, and that's the order of God. It has to have that male protection. In fact, we've got a, in Palau, we've got a woman pastor. And it's a church that we, that we have supported and we've helped build. And she considers me, now this is an island in the Pacific, uh, 
and she considers me the pastor because that's a protection for her. She knows that, that she can't, there has to be a male authority over her, and that fulfills the Scripture. You got clear as mud? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh-huh. Anybody else? All right, then stand with me. I always feel a little, good, a little bit better when someone has a question or two because it means somebody was listening. That's always nice to know someone's listening. And I know I'm not that great of a teacher that everything could be completely taken care of during the course of the teaching session. But understanding the principles of the Scripture, uh, and again, if you look at our, our society today and you see where people have gotten, gotten out of their role and usurped authority, women can be great teachers and women can be great. They can be in, in politics as long as you've got a male head and he's got to and he's got to have the right attitude and be you know and himself do the right things and it's the same you know we we look at that within the family politics whatever it may be uh as long as somebody there is a male with some sense and there's a lot of males that don't have any sense what's that not an ahab there we go that's a good point not an ahab ahabs create jezebels Jezebels do not create Ahabs. Okay? Because Ahab was in charge. He didn't have to allow his wife to do that. Because he was a whiny, whiny baby and wanted that, that vineyard, Naboth's vineyard. He wanted that. And so his wife just, you know, wanted to keep him quiet because she got sick of hearing him. How many women will agree with what I just said? You ever get sick of hearing <laughs> So she went out and got what he needed. That's what my wife does for me. I whine and cry and carry on. <laughs> oh, God's good. Let's raise your hands to the Lord right now together. Father, we thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. I pray, God, your safety upon each and every one. Protect them. Be with them. Strengthen them, Jesus, I pray in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you.